Blog Talk Radio. Fear.com, and that just makes me so happy that you have had that opportunity. And I come to you just completely re-energized, um, wonderful miracles flowing in my own life, and really ready to be bringing you some amazing guests as we relaunch our 2017 season here heading into the spring and I have an entire group of guests just waiting to come on and I'm just so excited as we launch into that and today I just couldn't be more happy to be bringing on the air in just a few moments someone that I met in an amazingly wonderful way um, her name is Sudabe Mokri. And Sudabe wrote a book called Angel Nightingale, A Nurse's Journey of Healing with Angels. Sudabe's story could not be more relevant, more timely, more inspirational and important to all of us than today because Sudabe was captured in Iran 38 years ago and beaten into a coma when she was a student and we are going to hear her story today and she was after some years welcomed into the United States granted political asylum assisted as a young single mother with a young family and she became a registered nurse and she is an advocate for integrative health care. She works in holistic healing now as well. All so very important to the listeners to this show and the way that she herself has integrated this despite a harrowing journey, truthfully, with visionary experiences, with an experience that is ongoing with the angelic realm is truthfully a miracle for us all. And I came to know of Sudabe through a mutual friend, our hairdresser. And I find that to be almost the most magical thing of all, 
how we are community. We are here together on this earth, and I cannot say enough good things. In fact, if I keep talking, I'm I'm going to delay bringing the wonderful Suda Bay on the air, which I am just about to do because I just cannot say enough good things about how I feel about what she is bringing to all of us. So let's welcome Suda Bay Mokri onto the frontier beyond fear. Welcome, Suda Bay. <laughs> Thank you, Susan. Thank you so much for having me on your radio talk. I am very excited and very honored uh, for choosing me. Thank you again. Oh, Sudebe, just to know you is an honor to me. And I say that from the heart. And I'm sure that my listeners can feel my own emotion today about how I feel about who you are and what you have to share with us, Sudabe. So so thank you. Thank you from my heart for being here. Of course. It's a pleasure to be with, with you right now. Uh, well, the best way I feel to unfold your amazing story, Sudabe, is to really have you share with us, Sudabe, how how did this all begin for you? Because you have had really a very challenging journey, and I know that you talk about this very much in your book, Angel Nightingale. And can you help us step into the world of your story, Sudabe? Yes, of course. Uh, thank you. I My life started um, I, in Iran. Um, I was born there. My father was uh, working for an agriculture department. Uh, he was very humble, very kind, very, very giving, a man, extremely knowledgeable. And my mother was a teacher. Um, I grew up in a very um, strict family about the rules and what the uh, women have to do and not to do, but it was very educated. And uh, my father loved uh, reading books and also um, having me, teaching me uh, to know as much as I can about what is going on in the world. Um, When I was uh, 13 years old and I was the oldest of four children, three of them um, boys, when I um, was 13 years old, my uh, father suddenly passed away in a um, heart, a sudden heart attack. It was yeah. um, not expected. He was very young. He was 47 years old when he passed away. And my mother had to work um, much harder than she was having two jobs to raise uh, four kids. Uh, when I was 10 or 11, my um, parents adopted a girl that her parents died in a um, earthquake <clears throat> and they adopted her so it was my mother had to take care of five kids um, by then uh, growing up <clears throat> excuse me <clears throat> I am having overcoming a cold so bear with me uh, it's okay <clears throat> a lot of us are I think right now if you need to get a glass right. of water feel free <laughs> of course thank you uh, so when I was um, 
18 years old, it was uh, the time that um, there was a lot of protests and uh, strikes against the um, uh, king of Iran, Shah, and at yeah. that time. And uh, prior to that, I had no idea about, you know, being in politics. <clears throat> I grew up in a family that was, although we um, was, uh, we were following the Muslim religion, but it, they were all very educated and very yeah. spiritual rather than being like, I never covered my hair. I never, you know, wore those uh, kind of uh, uh, clothing uh, that after revolution we were forced to do. <clears throat> so it was after around 78 when there was lots of protests and everything. And my mom, I, at that time, I, I had already graduated from high school. And I was going through uh, um, uh, English Institute to learn and learn English and to move to America at that time and to uh, become a doctor. <clears throat> It yeah. didn't happen, so I don't want to give give the whole book, <laughs> of course, right now. <laughs> uh, but uh, I uh, began to learn about what was going on in, in our community because it was everywhere we go. There was protests, there were fire, there were um, sh- uh, gunshots. So my mom asked me, like, there is under no circumstances, you are not going to get involved. But at that time, I didn't know that my grandfather uh, was my dad's father, uh, was a yeah. uh, was an activist, and also my dad was an activist. But after um, she uh, they got married, my mom and my dad got married. Then my father decided that um, he can uh, be an activist by. And spreading the word of kindness and helping people, so that's what he did yeah. all of his life. Instead of yeah. being an activist with the, with his words, he helped people that they really needed help financially, emotionally, <clears throat> spiritually. So it, it was that time that when I realized what was going on and I was interested, and then it was when I met my um, uh, boyfriend at that time who later became my husband. And he um, taught me about what was going on um, in, our, um, in Iran, in our lives, that um, we were uh, fighting for democracy, for freedom of speech, everything that we weren't allowed to talk about. And that was one of the things that my, my parents taught me, always talk about, you know, we were just singing, we were dancing, we were having... Um, you know, dinner with only the immediate family. We were extended family. And we never talked about anything about politics. So we knew that there were rules and we need to follow the rules. <clears throat> it was uh, 1979 after the new government uh, that, that came. And, uh, one year later, after the revolution took place in Iran, and they decided that uh, they closed the... Um, all of the uh, universities and colleges in order to expel all the students, the professors, the teachers that they did not um, follow the um, the government uh, ideology about only you know for be uh, be who they wanted us to be the follow the Islam religion, which it was completely a different religion than what I grew up with for 18 years. 
<clears throat> I grew up. You know, Sudebay. Um, one of the things yeah. I wanted to ask you here is there's something about your story that I feel is is a some a very important reminder for those of us here in the United States right now is um, that you had been a westernized country, as you say in your book, and you had a lot of freedoms under the Shah of Iran, and then everything changed when the government became, you know, democracy failed, and, and the government began to incorporate conservative views of of religion and and yes I do want to hear very much how how um you view Islam in a wonderfully open way um but just the fact that your country changed in a dramatic way and and you were all shocked by that it seems I mean it just took took everyone by surprise Absolutely, it did. And there were, at the time, as I said, I didn't know anything about politics by then. I just knew there were so many people, so many different groups that talking about they wanted democracy. They wanted to be able to talk and, frankly, to um, have a point of view that was different than than just majority, which was with the Shah or the new government. But the new government did not want that. <clears throat> yeah. they, um, the religion that uh, I grew up with, and I know from my family, that um, we believe that God was light and love. And yeah. everything, uh, God is the creator of everything, from um, people to flowers to earth. And uh, we receive. I grew up respected everyone from with a different religion. So that was, I was really surprised being so young. And I really believe that I was very naive when it comes to politics or <clears throat> the way that um, the government wanted to bring a new way of living. You know, the women yeah. had to cover their hair. They, we had to wear loose Clothing, it, it even went not just for women. It went really past that. Men had to um, wear the, their um, uh, arms and their skins, wear, you know, long pants instead of, you know, it was hot and warm. We wanted to wear shorts. There were no shorts. Even men had to cover up, uh, not their hair, <laughs> but uh, their, um, you know, sleeves had to be long. Their pants had to be long. So it was just completely a different, it was just like, this is a different religion. This is a different way of living. And for the people that they fought for democracy and, you know, for me growing up, it was like a westernized country. My family, my my mom's cousins, they would come to America on, you know, for a spring break or summer vacation. And everything just changed all of a sudden for, you know, it wasn't like overnight but it was in a, less than a year, everything changed and Shah left and the new government came and they said, um, you have to follow whatever that we are telling you to do and follow. <clears throat> so we had a lot of educated professors and 
um, students and they wanted to close the universities and everybody said, well, let's just gather uh, to have a very um, peaceful uh, protest. Yeah. And all over in Iran, in every city, um, there's students and professor, whoever that was, you know, wanted to more freedom. They decided in the same day they go to the largest university in each city. <clears throat> and that's what happened. Um, I followed, yeah. I talked to my boyfriend, and he said, this is the plan. And I talked to my classmate, and we had a, I was a nursing student at that time. Uh, they said, well, we are going to have a midterm, but after midterm, we are going to go to the, the university. And that's what we did. Uh, we were sitting and talking, um, and it, nobody was doing anything, no kind of, no placard, no uh, voicing our opinion. And we were just waiting just there um, to show that uh, we need to have our universities and colleges to be open. We, are, we need education and all of those <clears throat> And it was when um, we were just surrounded by uh, many people um, that they were like mobs. They were not necessarily um, the government police. Um, they were. Um, they came with bats, with knives, um, with the rocks. They attacked us and they uh, captured us. Sudebay, did you know that these people were around you in your community? I mean, were you shocked? And was it really kind of a, a fringe element that was acting this way, or was it like a wave of more and more people who were who were becoming this way, um, radicalized? Really, um, what was yes. that like at the time? Was it was it just a small group of people who just became very very violent? And that at at the beginning it it seemed like it, but um, because uh-huh. I didn't know what ha- what was happening, um, according to my family later on, um, I realized that, that they announced um, on the radio and TV that there are many people in the um, taking over the universities and they are you know um, fighting against God. And so we had uh-huh. a lot of mm-hmm. uh, you know people that they were uneducated and they were just. I can say that, uh, brainwashed by what the government was feeding them through media. (laughs) And uh, they decided that, uh, you know, they are going to come and uh, uh, beat us to death or whatever their thought was because we were doing something against God and religion. And that's what happened. I have another question, and you're you're gonna, you know, I have a vague memory having been alive during those years, and of course, not mm-hmm. a very good memory of what happened there. Um, just some, right? Um, but what happened with the media in those days in your country, Suda Bay? Did it did it change? Had it been open before, and then did it become very controlled? That seems to be the implication. Do you do you remember? Yes, um, I believe the media was always covering what the whoever the government was. So we really didn't have a freedom of a speech. <clears throat> you know, uh-huh. right now I can see like there are many people that talk about 
um, make fun of, you know, someone in a leadership or whatever, and they joke about it. That was not going on at the time that whether it was, you know, before the new revolution took place or before. We have always knew that nobody is going to, you know, criticize people in leadership in government. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. what happened, I believe, the people that were um, before in the media, um, everything was censored to the point that, you know, only certain thing about the good thing about the government was had to be reported. So yeah. what happened, they took over the people that they were in media and they had to get rid of them and bring their own people. And their own people, the new um, media just said everything that was good about the new government. We, were, we didn't have a democracy of having other views to be uh, yeah. publicized in the media. So that's why people were just taking the matter in their hands and doing the protests and the strikes and all of those things. Yeah. Yeah, I think something that comes across from your book, which I really encourage people to to get to read this story, is how surprised mm-hmm. how surprising all of this was. How you know you felt um, that, in fact, you know what? I know we don't have infinite time here, but right. um, there, there, well, I at some point I would be tempted to 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 quote from it, but I guess we won't do that today. But the thing is is it's just the fact that you felt that um, you did not feel like this mob would descend upon you. So continue to tell your right. story of what happened next. So this mob came along, and you were protesting to have the right to an education at the universities. What happened next, Suda Bay? Yes, they just um, pushed us. Um, and in a, we all just became gathered that, you know, our circle became smaller and smaller and smaller and uh, while they were beating us in the head, in the body and everything. And all of a sudden I felt like, you know, I just fell down and a whole bunch of people fell on me. <clears throat> and uh, after that, when we were just, you know, fell on the ground and with everybody else, they came with the, then the police came, the government police, of, I should say, came and with their guns, you know, toward us and took us to a, um, a van on the top of each other, not like, you know, sitting, and uh, shoved yeah. us there and took us to a place that looked like a stadium of some sort with the guards everywhere and no windows and nothing. <clears throat> and uh, I was there uh, when I felt uh, really sick and uh, became unconscious. And then I yeah. woke up uh, about a week later in the hospital when I was being tortured, uh, in, even in the hospital, by um, a oh, man gosh. wearing, that's what I remember, a man wearing like a blue, um, like a uniform that was shoving the uh, oxygen tube in my nose. And that's why I woke up to that. <clears throat> yes. Yes. And I understand that, that a lot of people didn't survive that event that there were those who who later your your family was grateful that you survived because I guess others absolutely did not survive absolutely it was uh, the city that I was uh, there um, it was in the south of Iran 
um, that city um, was really border with Iraq. It's just like a river, not a big ocean. It's just a river. So what they did, they um, uh, raped women and they threw them in the river uh, to die. They shoot people. There were people paralyzed. There were people died from there. They injured a lot from knives, you know, cutting their bodies. So um, I was blessed, and uh, it took me many, many years coming to America to realize that uh, literally I was saved by God and by angels because to come here at this moment and to be a messenger um, of love, of compassion, and peace. Yes. Um, yes. I uh, experienced, yeah, after that, I experienced eight years of war, and I was a nurse. <clears throat> I witnessed a lot. I witnessed a lot of uh, damages and destructions, and not only buildings, but people. Um, I have seen um, little uh, infants, you know, bomb when was in the middle of the night that uh, <clears throat> the sirens would go off and um, we didn't know who would be the lucky, and I'm you know, using that term really loosely, um, per- people that are going to be affected. It wasn't the bombs came for certain political places or in a government. <clears throat> Excuse me. It was yeah, mainly to attack you know, different places, so uh, people would die. Um, yeah. It was it was horrible, and uh, as a nurse, I had to take care of the soldiers that they were um, burning the whole their whole body inside and out were burning from the chemical gas. So I took care of them. Um, it, it was very challenging uh, to experience uh, that much war and destruction. And um, every night, night after night, day after day, for eight years. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> I think it's almost, it's so hard for many of us to conceive of what you went through, everyone that went through it, Sudebay. I mean, it, it's such a powerful story. So now, now tell us, how is it that you got to the point of being able to leave Iran? Can you can you get us to that point? And I know you also had a visionary experience in the midst of that. So if I, I share that part um, of your story, Suda Bay, because it's so inspiring. Yes, <clears throat> yes. After um, after the um, I came back from um, I woke up. Um, my mom took me out of that you know, area and went back to Tehran where the city that we used to live and I got married with the, with my, you know, boyfriend after a few years. <clears throat> and um, um, we both were activists um still continued that. Um, but when I got pregnant with my son, I miscarried my first baby actually and my son when that was my second pregnancy, I decided... <clears throat> after everything that I experienced in, you know, jail and um, become unconscious and uh, as a result of uh, I went through a really bad depression because I was afraid. I couldn't even go to yeah. the bathroom without my mom being there. 
Um, I was uh, really, you can, you know, talk about post-traumatic, you know, disorder. That's that's mm-hmm. typical of what I was at that time. Yes. <clears throat> so I got married, and uh, my son was about four and a half years old. Uh, I decided I didn't want to do anything with that because I didn't want to put the, my son's life in jeopardy. But my husband yeah. uh, um, decided that uh, he he said that I do not want to stop because if I stop, who's going to fight for democracy? <clears throat> my son was about like four years and uh, one day that my um, husband came home and he said that uh, he cannot um, live there anymore. Uh, we have he either going to be captured and killed or we have to um, run, you know, skip from the country. I was uh, seven months pregnant, so there was no way of me and the pregnant and the kid, you know, four-year-old kid to go with him. So we decided uh, to sell everything that we had and uh, let him uh, to escape in hope of maybe someday we can get together. Um, From that time, I had to live um, with my mom. Um, partly then, you know, with my sister-in-law, then with my mother-in-law, then my friends, and even um, my family, majority of them, they didn't know that my um, husband left Iran because he escaped, and we had no idea whether um, he's going to make it to America or not. He had a brother and sister here in America, in Portland, actually, but we didn't know. So... Make the long story short, after three years, he was able, um, he, he came here and after three years, um, I was able to come uh, and join him with my son and my daughter. But in the midst yeah. of, uh, before I get here, um, because it was almost three years and my family thought um, they need to do something because uh, they thought that um, he has probably found someone and does not want to bring us here because it was just becoming um, more and more um, information about why he's not bringing us to America. So going through that, my younger brother, he was about a year and a half younger than me, and he was trying to um, help us. Um, He he was married, and they had a four-year-old son, at that time, and uh, um, she was seven months pregnant. Um, So he said, well, before, you know, my wife gave birth uh, to our um, next uh, child, uh, I can help you to take you to Turkey with the kids because we didn't have an American embassy in Iran anymore. So when we went uh, to, um, the plan was to go to Turkey and, over there to say, hey, my husband is in America. It's been three years. I cannot, um, I, I, it had become to the point that I wasn't going to be safe anymore because um, three years I hid from my coworkers, from my family, from my friends that I was living without a husband. And um, it was about our safety. So my brother said, yeah. I can take you there and tell them, about your situation, maybe the you know American embassy government they can help you. <clears throat> yeah. That was the deal. And uh, when uh, one day I came home uh, to um, 
I was holding my daughter to put her to sleep, and all of a sudden I felt like um, I dozed off, and I yeah. saw a, a dead man. Uh, they, they, for me, it was just, what was that? And it startled me and woke, woke me up from whether it was a dream or not. And uh, uh, make the long story short again, um, I didn't tell anybody what I had seen or dreamed. At that night, uh, my um, sister-in-law called my mom and uh, told my mom that they haven't heard anything from my brother. When I saw that dead body, um, the only one I was thinking of was my husband because I was, uh, you know, we were so far and he was in America, I was in Iran, and I was uh, extremely worried, but I thought I didn't want to, you know, even think about that vision. But at that night, I found out that my brother was in a car accident. Um, Of course, they didn't tell us. They said, you know, just come because they were in another city that it was, but good five to six hours drive. And uh, they said, well, you know, he's going to have a surgery. He was in an accident. But by the time we got there, we found out that um, he he passed away. <clears throat> yeah. Um, having no support and seeing that the, my brother passed away, um, it was extremely excruciating for me. And I wished and um, I talked to God. I was very angry. I thought, why didn't he kill me and my two kids rather than taking away my brother? Because my brother had a happy life. He had, you know, a wife. He had a, a child and his wife was seven months pregnant. So it was extremely difficult for me to understand why I saw something and that um, why didn't God show me something and tell me that my brother is going to die so I can help him because I was a nurse for prior to that for eight years I have saved lives why didn't you know my dad died when I was 13, and now my brother, and I don't have a husband, there was no hope for me to get to America by that then, because, you know, he was the only one that wanted to help us. So it was extremely difficult um, and challenging, but in a spiritual sense, I honestly believe that my brother sacrificed his life for me. Yes to be here, and every time I talk about it, I just um, get uh, very emotional. I get goosebumps because my journey and my book is not just about me or my life. That's right. It's about, yeah, it's about my brother's journey because if he would not have died, I would not have been here in America. My husband... Yes. Can I ask you a question? Absolutely. I know that um <laughs> I know one of the things that inspires me so much about you is how you are what I would term a a light worker. You are um um energetically connected and you remind us how how this happens and and I know that I'm kind of jumping ahead in your story, but the question I have for you is related to your brother is 
do you right. feel, Sudabe, that um, how do you view before we're born? Do you feel that we make soul agreements and, and, you know, make plans in some ways as to how we're going to help and assist each other and, and in some cases like you, be in service to the world, which I feel that you are? Do you, is that a part? of something you have explored. I'm just I'm just curious if if that is. Absolutely. Um absolutely just the perfect question. Um it took uh-huh. me about many many years when I um found miraculously of course uh um about Carolyn Mace and her book yes. Sacred Contract. Ah, uh, my, that, that was it for me. That was the book that it changed literally my life and the way I view life and I view yeah. um, all, all the challenges and the struggles that we face. And that was when I realized that not only my brother sacrificed himself for me to be a voice right now, but also yeah. the fact that my divorce, and the way it happened, I did not um, say anything in the book about why and how it happened because I wanted to have a positive book about my journey, not what happened in my marriage. But even reading that book, I even found out that my ex-husband, um, he was a true soulmate for me, and he literally yeah. gave me a gift. Our divorce, however um, difficult it was, because I was left alone with two young children. I couldn't speak English. I didn't have money. I didn't have any family or friends at that time. I was just in America less than a couple of weeks when everything happened. It It became to me, and I wrote a letter. I gave it to my son to give it to her father, his father, and that I forgive him. Because I thought that prior to that, prior to me coming to America and prior to me getting divorced and everything, my life, I lived in the shadow of everybody else. I had no self-worth, no confidence, nothing at all. I was either somebody's child or somebody's wife. And coming here and going through all the struggles and everything that I faced, it made me to discover who I am as a person. So I felt like if I cannot take care of myself, I cannot take care of my children. So I focused on that love and forgiveness and that journey, and it took me to be where I am right now. It took me many, many years to decide to write the book. Because as you can imagine, I had to go really, really deep. Um, the places and the darkness that I felt, um, I had to bring it to the surface. And it was extremely challenging for me to do that. <clears throat> it was yeah. healing for me. And I realized that uh, when I had to go and go deep and to see what happened, how did it happen, because I got a uh, I got an editor that she was the most amazing person and helped me Uh so gently and with a lot of love and compassion. I couldn't have written the book for that. And she she helped me to go deeper, and she asked me deeper. I don't understand this piece. Go deeper. 
tell me. And it was extremely challenging, but I knew that it is not, this book is not for money. This book is, is a gift, is, is my life purpose. It's no matter well, I am doing a, um, you know, continue with my nursing job or a private practice or a speaking, whatever I am, this book needs to be written. And people need to know about the power that we have as a, yes. not human being, but as a spirit in this physical body. So that was the basis of uh, the thing that I, uh, and I cried with each, each sentence that I wrote, I cried. When I yeah. thought about this story, because there are lots of stories about my patients that I helped them transition to the other side. And every time I wrote about my patients, I cried. And there are, uh, there are a lot of great stories about how anybody, whether it was a story about Iran, a uh, story of my divorce, a story of raising the kids, or the story of how I helped my patients in my nursing career. It's all for a reason. It had to be written. Um, so hopefully it is going to help people um, to follow their dreams. They believe themselves and know that we are stronger than we think we are. Yes. Yes, you know, Suda Bay, your book could not come along at a more important time, really, because right now a lot, I know, of people are feeling um, some despair out there and confusion, and there there is a lot of um, just even really depression and anxiety, and I feel that... Um, your story, and, and I'm really happy we spent time with some of the more challenging aspects because your story shows that we can come out of darkness. And, and your story also shows how important it is for us to pay attention to to our own empowerment, really. And, you know, I, I wish I could spend like five hours with you right now because it's like it's so and I I would certainly I I would love to have you on again to explore even more because and we're not done yet but there's the other aspect of this story where you do talk about your patience and how you became awake to your your energetic healing how how you began to realize um these things and and just so many powerful things with with um how energy works and and you worked um i i i used um i i like to use this term sometimes too because there're people coming to this show from all walks of life and something that's becoming very more and more known is integrative health care and and how important that is and you've been an advocate there as well of course um integrative uh, health <clears throat> integrative therapy is what we all need, whether we yes. are um, um, facing an illness or we are just, you know, day to day. We have to take care of ourselves. Self-care is very important. And uh, as a mother, as a, a wife, as a um, worker, um, we put ourselves last because there's so much 
um, push to achieve something and push to finish the job and push to take care of the family, we don't take care of ourselves. And that was um, yeah. that was my my life. I was born with autoimmune disease, and there is something that's not that much um, information about it um, right now. But autoimmune disease is just our body, um, the stress that we um, put uh, upon ourselves <clears throat> makes us sick. Um, my I had problem with my thyroid. I had to have radiation to remove my thyroid. I have been having problem with my stomach for since I was 21 years old. Um, I was I had pneumonia when I was a little baby. So there were lots of emotions uh, that it, it gets stored in our body. When I was a mother, I was a single mother. I had to take care of everything. I pushed everything. You know, like okay, I don't have time to think about you know the pain in my body or the pain in my heart. For the pain in my soul, I have to just move forward. So integrative therapy is the form of we are all uh, made of energy. We feel when uh, we have a family member or a loved one or our neighbors or the country is suffering from something, we all feel that. And we need yeah. uh, to be that beacon of light uh, to help each other. But I cannot help anyone if I don't help myself. I um, did, I was able, I was blessed uh, to be able to find, and again, with, you know, um, angelic help and spiritual awakening that I was able to work with a company that um, they offer the integrative uh, therapy modalities to their patients. And that's when the stories in my book, some of them come from, from that place and how literally working through energy healing um, aromatherapy, essential oils, and th- through the um, just guided imagery, something, meditation, all of those things that I was able to help my patients that they were really suffering to the point that one of yeah. my patients, one of the stories in the book that one of my patients wrote, uh, she was a published author actually, <clears throat> and wrote to the director of the nursing in the hospital and said that if it wasn't because of Sudebay, I would literally live in fear. And why not everybody else, all the nurses, all the medical professionals, do what Sudebe does or what this company does? Because we need that. And as a nurse, uh, that is my dream to come true and to be able to um, have all the medical medical professionals um, take care of themselves and be connected with their... It's not, it doesn't matter that I am not saying that they have to work with angels. It's not that. It depends yeah. on, it's all, all about what you call the source. And whether yeah. it's about the religion that you believe in, if you are a religious person, connect with that source. If you are believe in nature, connect with that source. Whatever the source yeah. that is, whatever that creator, the, um, the other, the power that is bigger than us in that this human physical body, I, when we connect with that source, then we are able to take care of ourselves and take care of our, our patients, our loved ones, and everyone in the community. Yes, yes. I, I love how you express that because what, what you're saying, and it just feels so true to our hearts right now, it's that no matter where we are coming from, we can come mm-hmm. from all different 
points of view and experience and this common thread is there for us and and I love that you are there and helping people to to find that and you do have wonderful stories to tell about the healing journeys that you have been blessed to be a part of and um you know we can all hope that there could be more and more of you <laughs> that was <laughs> I'm reading I thought I would you know the entire healthcare profession really um, I, I, in fact, maybe you can comment on this. Is do you feel the transformation of the healthcare profession? Because I think a lot of us have been um, in dismay about some aspects of of that whole. Um, it, it, when there are things that aren't particularly healthy for for people that that are out there, and yet, um, do you feel the transformation? Do you feel that we are um, heading? in the right direction overall. Absolutely, because um, there are more people um, coming to say, this medical system is not taking care of me anymore. It's a sad thing to say that. But we are, as a result, yeah. we are going outside of what the Western medicine is. And I'm not against Western medicine by any means. I take, I take my medication really faithfully uh-huh. in order uh-huh. to survive. But there are other aspects of the human being, the spirituality. And again, as I said, you know, whatever that you believe in, the meditation, quieting of the mind, you know, taking some walk in the nature, dancing, swimming, whatever it is, we need to take some time to connect with that bigger picture, who we are, and then as a spirit in this physical form. It's not against God. It's not for God. It is about, about, it is about us, each and every one of us, to feel, to em- become empowered with what we have, and, and we use that for the goodness for ourselves and the goodness of the whole planet of the world. (laughs) Yes, 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 so much so. Um, Now, um, Suda Bay, as we head into um, the last 10 minutes of the live show, and by the way, it won't cut us off completely at the end, but the live show um, ends in 10 minutes. Um, now I would like to invite you because I have to tell you, you so touched me, Suda Bay, through a Facebook Live that you did where, and I know you have a lot of videos out there on YouTube as well, where you did a, a guided meditation. And this one may be somewhat brief, but um, I, I would like you, if you feel so led, Suda Bay, to just spend you know a, a, a few moments um just helping us, we have some time to connect um, because your voice and your spirit, it, it has angelic connections. I can feel it. Um, yes, of course. Uh, actually, I have some royalty-free music <laughs> downloaded already. Oh, well, so now isn't that perfect? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, I want to make sure we want to make sure we are all taken care of, right? Yeah. So I have yes. some uh, nice, nice music, and I can I'd be more than honored uh, to um, take everyone to a very simple guided imagery for peace and healing of the whole world. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so, are you ready? Yep. Yep. <laughs> 
Go right ahead. Uh, all right. So I want everyone to find a quiet place, a very comfortable and relaxing place, and close your eyes. Take a few deep breaths and exhale. I want you to imagine to whatever the source that you believe in, God, karma, divine source, just imagine from the source that you believe in, from the sky, from the universe, there's a white light slowly and gently coming down. It touches your hair and your scalp coming down to your forehead to your eyebrow to your eyes and your whole being becomes very very Every time you inhale this peaceful, healing, white light and energy, you receive unconditional love and healing. And every time you exhale, you let go of all the stress and the tension or tightness in your being. Imagine this beautiful light. It touches your nose, your cheeks, your mouth, your jaw, and everything relaxes. It comes down to your throat back of your neck and slowly and gently goes down to your shoulders and your upper arms flows peacefully through your upper arms your elbows your forearms your hands and out and down from the tip of your fingers. Now you can bring your attention and imagine this peaceful light is coming and touching your chest. I want you to imagine that there is a pearl of light in the center of your chest. You may see color, or you may see nothing. Just pretend that that pearl of light exists in the center of your chest. As you take a deep breath, imagine this pearl of light becomes expanded, larger and larger, 
with each breath that you take. It expands and go past your arms, past the chair you're sitting on. It expands and goes inside the whole the room that you're sitting to the next room and the whole house another take a deep breath and imagine that this peaceful pearl of light is expanding to your neighbors larger and larger and expands to the city you live in to the state as you're being relaxed and protected and surrounded by this peaceful, healing loving light you are sending the energy to your town to the next state and to the whole nation right from where you are from where you're sitting you are participating in healing of the nation right now Every time you take a deep breath, imagine this light expands even more and surrounds the whole world. So right at this very moment, we are sending unconditional love, healing, peace all around the world. Just one breath at a time. Just one simple breath. We are powerful beings. We are able to participate and to spread the message of love, healing, and compassion and peace every time you feel fearful thought, negative thought, any stress, all you need to do, just take a deep breath and connect with the source within you and send the healing light to everyone in need. Many blessings to all of you. Thank you, Susan, for this beautiful opportunity. Oh, thank you, Suda Bay. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. And Of course, um, my pleasure. I, <laughs> the, the energy of your voice is so beautiful. And and I hope that, that people 
will explore more of what you have to share. You have other um, meditations and things for us all at com. I just wanted to make sure people know where to find you. Thank you, live audience, you. for being here. And uh-huh. we'll stay together for just a moment into the podcast um, because we are speaking now across time to those who have been listening to us and are still with us energetically across time, which I always yes. feel. Um, and um, I just want to once again say thank you from my heart because what you are doing in this world is is so important for us on on multiple levels, and it's at a personal level and at a, a grander level, and um, just um, I'm grateful that you are here for us. <laughs> and, and so, of so course, thank and you I'm again to you for providing this show. Definitely, thank you, Susan. Oh, well, you. Um, um, just um, go in peace with the rest of your day, and um, just um, I I just hope that you continue to share with us. I'm just so intrigued to see where all of this will lead as to what you have for all of us. So so through spirit, through spirit, through you. So so take care, my dear soul. Thank you, Susan. You too. Have a great day. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And um, as we are all so relaxed, I feel very relaxed now, and I I know you do too out there across time, Um, I will remind you that um, this show is here to, to help make this kind of a difference in the world. And I also want to put out there that if you are a radio host, because I know a number of hosts listen to this show or you have a webcast or whatever you may have, um, um, and you would like to invite Sudabay to talk with you, um, please email the broadcast and I will certainly convey that or go to the contact form on Sudabay's website, sudabaymokri.com. And, you know, you can always email the broadcast here at info at frontierbeyondfear.com. I welcome your guests or your suggestions, whatever you would like to share. And Sudabay and I are both on Facebook in different ways, and I invite you to explore there as well as Twitter. Um, And so there are so many ways that we can connect together. And, you know, stories like these inspire us to know that we are not alone. And this energy is, of course, worldwide and multiversal. I mean, it's beyond our world for sure. And I invite you to continue to explore with us. I will be updating the schedule at FrontierBeyondFear.com if you would like to follow this show, there is a way to do that through Blog Talk Radio, and then you get notifications of the guests we have coming up because I am just very thankful for you, for Sudabay, and for all the guests that have come our way and will be coming this direction because we're here in this together. And together, 
we will make the shift that is really underway on this planet. Um, there can be darkness on our journeys, and we're here on Earth for a reason. We chose this, and sometimes it, it requires us to be courageous, and we can find within us that empowerment, that connection to source, just as Sudabe advises us in so many wonderful way showers. So... May you go in peace today, wherever this show finds you. I'm so delighted to know they have a new map showing that this show is going out worldwide. And I know those of you are listening out there all the way in, in South Africa and Russia, all over this planet. And together, we are changing this world through our own hearts. So. Take care, everyone. Go in peace.
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.